0: Welcome to Frontier 3, presented by PatSnap. In this 20-episode podcast series, we will be unpacking the innovation ecosystem of Web3. From tokenized physical goods to the digital assets and smart contracts that will build the metaverse, Web3 is one of the biggest technological and socioeconomic paradigm shifts in history. Join PatSnap's co-founder, Ray Chohan, for a fascinating deep dive into how Web3 will fundamentally change how we live, work, and play. Welcome to Frontier 3. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to episode 12 of Frontier 3 presented by Pat Snap. In today's episode, our host Ray Chauhan is joined by Pat Kearney. Who is the Head of Growth at ThirdWeb, a software that helps developers build, launch, and manage Web3 projects. In this episode, Pat shares his excitement about Web3 and the huge impact it's making on businesses and communities alike. Be sure to sit back and enjoy today's episode of Frontier 3 with Pat Kearney. Enjoy. Today's episode is brought to you by PatSnap. Learn how to unlock your limitless innovation potential with connected innovation intelligence. CII is an AI-powered technology that combs through millions of disparate data points, segments them by industry and relevance, and weaves the insights together to create a meaningful narrative. The result? A holistic 360-degree market view where you can easily spot risks, identify opportunities, and accelerate the pace of innovation. We created the Definitive Guide to Connected Innovation Intelligence to give you an in-depth understanding of how CII can help your business innovate better. If you want to grab a copy of this, head over to patsnap.com or click the link in the description of this podcast to get it today. Now, without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode.
1: Pat, welcome to Frontier 3. Great to have you on the show today, and it'll be great to kick off from... Your story, really, in terms of your professional journey, and how you got a orange pilled, red pilled, blue pilled—call it what have you—into the wacky world of of Web three, Pat.
2: Yeah, thank you so much, Ray. Uh, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, you know I'm I'm honoured to be a part of the uh, the Frontier Three podcast. Um, I uh, you know it's been kind of a an up and down journey. I'd say, um, you know, I started off my career in, in finance, working uh, for Merrill Lynch and UBS, and um, in, in a brief stint consulting, um, and then got the uh, the entrepreneurial bug, uh, working for Epidemic Sound, a uh, Swedish based music licensing startup, which is now I think well well over a billion uh, dollars, and, and had an opportunity there to really grow their operations here in the U.S. Um, since then, it's it's really been no looking back. Um, you know, growing uh, ventures in, in that early stage is, is arguably one of the most exciting, you know, opportunities you can have as a, uh, an employee uh, and, and to really, you know, impact the, the overall vision of the company. Um, and that, that kind of led me eventually to agency side working more, on, you know, measurement and facilitating kind of one-to-one touchpoint uh, experiences between brands and their stakeholders, uh, what has become very much known as experiential marketing. Um, and, uh, I think that, that foray into the measurement side and really working with brands to prove the ROI to their upper management and, you know, making sure that they're focused on their goals and objectives, um, eventually led to a four way with super plastic, which, um, is a collectibles brand uh, similar to, to, you know, a kid robot, Funko, uh, cause, but very much rooted in IP. So they've created characters that, you know, um, have social profiles and and have their own personas. Uh, you know, their their own lifestyle and and content that they're putting out. Uh, and initially, you know, that manifested itself in the form of physical collectibles. And so this was right around the end of 2020. I vividly remember being on a on a call with one of my colleagues and uh, a couple of, of agency partners out in L.A. And one of my colleagues just dropped the term Web three in the conversation, and I kind of paused at that point, and I was just like, "What in the world is this? An app? Is this you know a brand?" Um, and I remember for the rest of that day diving deep, deep down the rabbit hole, as I'm sure yourself and and many people as they take that first step and getting lost in in a variety of Reddit threads, articles, Twitter threads, um, and you know, come to find out, it's becoming this term that. You know now is is much more mainstream but you know describing the iteration of the internet uh in a more decentralized you know capacity um Thanks, and you know once once i saw that and and you know you started to see the writing on the wall with nfts at the end of 2020 uh nifty gateway and and all the other platforms that that kind of gained popularity um you know in early 2021 uh and and from there it was just off to the races i think um you know, you, as you extrapolate the the market in general, it's I could get lost in DeFi in and of itself, but NFTs, as it's, in its own right, is incredibly um, exciting. And then I think even more so recently, DAOs obviously have have captured quite a bit of the conversation. Uh,
1: so, Pat, really, it's Q four of twenty twenty. You're on that call with the, with a couple of folks in LA, and someone just drops Web three, and then you go down the rabbit hole but obviously the ecosystem is absolutely massive right and there's so much nuance we're still super early from smart contracts to nfts to just different forms of, of blockchain capability i mean last week i think i saw athena.ai which now will bake in advanced nlp and machine learning into nfts that just blew my brain and I was like god this is too much to absorb I just have to take this in baby steps so if you go back to Q4 2020 and then going into 2021 was it specific parts of the ecosystem which make which kind of caused you to make that leap into obviously third web which we will come into shortly but was it specific parts of the primitive that is blockchain which made you really lean in and go you know what I want to kind of steer my career in this direction.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think at that point, right, I was familiar with blockchain and obviously Bitcoin, you know, was was very much in existence. Um, and I think many people looked at it as kind of a joke, laughable, um, didn't really see the opportunity. Um, but from a technological perspective, I think blockchain and the, the value that it offered was, at least in my eyes, um, very apparent. Um, you know the idea of decentralization and and progressing from you know web to of centralized players and and having that back and forth interaction, but really you know housed and owned by one player uh, that next iteration of of the internet was incredibly exciting. Um, and I think the first two areas that I really nerded out around uh, were very much, uh, like social tokens um, specific to friends with benefits and uh, the whale bow. Um and like, you know, whale and their kind of uh, their vault of NFTs, if you will, which is kind of their underlying valuation for whale as a whole. Um, and I think seeing how FWB was focused more so on the community aspect and, and bringing in, elements of, of cultural expertise, um, you know, giving access to individuals who really, you know, wanted to, to innovate and iterate within the space um, was really what captured my my attention. Um, and, you know, I think if we extrapolate, especially now in 2022, that from a high level, the thing that excites me the most is mobilizing and incentivizing communities to do certain things. Um, you know, and I, from a base level, growing up Catholic, um, you know, going to Catholic school pretty much my entire life, have kind of a, a pretty rigid moral compass. And so I ultimately am, am most excited about mobilizing and incentivizing communities for, uh, you know, social good and, and creating positive impact. Um, and I, th- I think that's where, you know, I've seen the, the greatest opportunities. Um, but. Certainly, you know those those initial social tokens, which now I think NFTs actually offer a greater value and, and uh, functionality as as it pertains to social tokens. But that was definitely where I, you know I nerded out in the first place, and in getting an understanding of really you know the mechanics that will drive this space forward and and increase adoption, uh, and, and those pieces that will resonate the most with with a greater market.
1: Yeah, th- this community building and I think Raul Powell, the founder of Real Vision, who I, I love their content, he kind of coined, well, I don't think he coined the term, but he mentioned this. He said, culture is basically an asset class now. And it's an asset class that we can build Lego blocks on top of and from a commercial standpoint, actually will generate meaningful revenues. So it's really interesting that, that community dimension and obviously, your background growing up, thought, wow, this is a great business opportunity. But also in terms of your values as an individual, regarding community and and giving back, it kind of it seems like it has all these ingredients in, infused into one. And 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 it's interesting you mentioned community and 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 doing things which are different. I actually have seen something recently. It's actually a golf project, actually, Pat. So so golf historically, sadly, is kind of to only well. The perception of golf is it's certain types of communities who can only play golf or who have access to that type of sport, right? The the cliche archetype of people who are members of exclusive golf clubs. So golf has always had that barrier to entry, right? It's not like soccer or or basketball where everyone can play. So there's actually a really interesting project right now in the golfing space where someone just launched a, a, a golf DAO. They've raised 11 million bucks. It's actually the former founder of The Block, which is an, an analyst company in this space, similar to Masari and some of the other ones. And when I looked at that project, I thought, wow, okay. Again, another social good standpoint. This is more from a sporting context, but trying to make golf more uh, inclusive. I think they actually have Serena Williams uh, as one of the backers or or, or a person who's part of uh, the, the governance of the golf protocol. So, so this is interesting. I, th- I think that kind of, for the good of the world element of it, I mean, that's going to be limitless, like, right? Because it's very inclusive and you can include participants from from all over the world. So so, so that makes perfect sense. Thank you for that context. So, so then we come to Third Web, right? Which Stephen Bartlett is a co-founder of. Uh, and Stephen is huge here in the UK because he's on the UK Dragon's Den. I mean, his pod's massive globally. So what was your journey into Third Web? Because they look like a fast moving horse but that sounds fascinating how you've joined so early there there's only 17 people in the company if that so it looks like you're you're one of the early employees for that mission so what's the the mission and background for engaging with, with third web
2: yeah it's uh it's a great question i was actually you know in a position towards the end of 2021 where um, i was essentially looking for a full on you know, role within the Web three space, um, and I've had a, a number of interviews. Uh, you know, OpenSea, SuperRare, uh, a variety of others that just didn't really, I think, hit the value props that I was looking for. Um, and it just so happened I was on a final, final interview. You know, I was just about to move forward with the offer, and I got a LinkedIn DM from Caddy, who uh, is very close to Steven, creative director at, at Third Web, just brilliant, brilliant mind and how he kind of approaches the space. Uh, and we had a nice conversation around, you know, what Third Web's kind of approach is. Uh, had an opportunity to talk with Steven and Furkan, the two co-founders. Um, and I think it, it was after five minutes of, of chatting with Steven uh, that I was pretty much bought in. Uh, if you will, uh, you know from a high level, right? Third Web is is really trying to to create the the picks and shovels for the Web three space, um, and trying to extrapolate uh, or rather abstract away a lot of the complexity. Um, and you know, as we as we look at Third Web as a whole, um, what we're really doing is building tooling in the native frameworks or languages for developers initially to enable them to onboard and start creating and innovating uh, within the Web3 space as uh, seamlessly as possible um, and, and continuing to, to kind of update and, um, you know, provide um, kind of unique uh, mechanics on, on top of our current feature set as the market continues to move and, you know, pushing that that aspect of the space forward. So. You know seeing what is going on from a macro perspective, but also understanding that this is this is how we we see the space kind of progressing um, you know nFTs for an example, very very popular as PFP projects um, that is probably nFT 1.0 uh, if if we had to to kind of dumb it down in um, you know per your point like Athena seems already to be pushing that envelope forward in, in a meaningful direction. Um, and I think it's important that people understand that NFTs are not just, uh, you know, some some kind of, of visual art that is, you know, encapsulated within a smart contract. Um, it is so much more than that. And as the technology, you know, continues to progress and, and really, uh, you know, the builders continue to, um, you know, take their vision and, uh, implement it, we will continue to see, you know, I think music is, is probably the area that I resonate with the most because, you know, I have a background in DJing and, and producing and stuff like that. Um, and you look at the complexity in the web tube format, right? You look at Spotify, um, the major labels and the artists and, you know, you pay Spotify $10 a month, uh, a premium subscription, Spotify then takes that revenue uh, and and based on plays and, and number of streams and, and, you know, their various, uh, you know, kind of uh, models in the background will end up paying, keeping about 30% of, you know, the royalties that are paid out. And then the remaining 70% then goes back to the labels, uh, which keep the vast majority of it. Some of it goes to publishing, marketing you know, X, Y, and Z. And by the time it actually reaches the artists, uh, there's a very, very, as I'm sure, you know, many people are well aware at this point, there's very little left. Uh, it's it's not a business, you know, as an artist, if you don't tour, especially in a pandemic, uh, you know, where there's all those considerations, you don't really have uh, a revenue stream or an income stream. Um, as we talk about that in a web three format, um, the technology enables, all sorts of functionality to streamline the royalty process, to cut out the middlemen and, and to actually, you know, offer uh, an opportunity for artists to make a living with communities that, you know, are passionate about their work. Um, and I'll just, I'll give a very tangible example. Uh, a close friend of mine, Sam Heisel, who's the co-founder of NFT Now, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, released his own, uh, you know, track on the blockchain um, as an NFT and there were, I think, 10, 10 one of ones that, that were available for purchase and sold out within a day or two. It would have been the equivalent of one and a half million streams on Spotify to generate that same amount of revenue, which is wild. Um, anyways, a bit of a tangent uh, to, to kind of circle back in third web, you know, really what we're trying to do is abstract away that complexity um, to enable initially developers and builders to, you know, uh, segue into the space and, and start, you know, building and, and focusing more so on their end application, their business logic, if you will, um, and giving them the tools to do so. Uh, and eventually that those capabilities will, um, you know, manifest for a no-code or a lower-code lower, lower code builder like myself, for example, um, to be able to, to do the same things Uh that are currently available in in you know we're we're not building APIs we're building SDKs, um, and so I guess to to give you kind of a high level, uh, the holy trinity as as one of our senior devs calls it is you know the the contract level that interfaces with our SDKs, which then also you know is is available in the dashboard um, in the dashboard for. A no-code or a low-code builder like myself uh, has a ton of upside. But even for developers, and as you look at brands and orgs that are going to have multiple individuals kind of interfacing with a project or multiple projects within a greater kind of, uh, you know, org, there are lots of considerations around access permissioning, um, even as we talk about analytics, right? Uh, On-chain analytics is such a complex area that, you know we're very focused on on simplifying for our users because it's important. Um, you're you're only able to make you know informed decisions based on the data that you have access to. Uh, and I'll just pause there because that was a, a nice little foray kind of into into third web, and it hopefully uh, you know created a, a couple more specific questions.
1: Pat, that makes sense. So just to simplify it, it seems like third web is the wix myspace squarespace for the developer community right so it's trying to i know it's early but trying to abstract away the complexity as much as it can considering we're in what january 2022 so you could be a builder in this space use third web and a lot of that complexity is abstracted away and it and it offers some form of Wix, Square SquareSpace, MySpace for developers' capability, which is more out of the box, and then they can focus on, to your terms, business logic and business outcomes. I'll just pause there. Is that, in a nutshell, where we are today.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would say that that's a good comparison. I would, I would counterpoint that the better comparison would almost be Stripe, um, oh, okay. specifically because Stripe has, you know, leveraged their underlying technology to make it very composable for builders to integrate in a variety of different formats. And so, you know, third web point 1.0, if you will, is very much taking that same approach from the developer perspective and giving them, you know, the tools and technology they need to, to build within the web three space in a programmatic format. Um, so layering on top of whatever they've already built and, and bringing that closer to the blockchain, or, you know, we have the ability to, to really build. There's a lot of really, really exciting stuff. One, one of which is actually launching tomorrow. Um, projects that are that are forthcoming with some very very large organizations one of which would i think would be you know resonate very strongly with you uh and steven is i know very excited about it because it hits uh you know a close passion point for him um in the sporting world uh and you know keep your eyes on on the trades and stuff like that because there will be some good news coming forward but i think Ultimately, we will see ourselves probably as uh, a, an interesting combination of like a Shopify and a Stripe, um, a little bit of, you know, Squarespace, because uh, we do want to empower, you know, the lower code and, and no code builders. But I think a lot of the innovation and opportunity as it stands now is going to be with, with the developers as we, you know, mm-hmm. build in the spaces. It's still early, you know, I, I think, I don't know if you would agree, but I don't know that we've crossed the chasm yet.
1: Um but yeah. Yeah, we we're really early. I mean, I think if you're always in the community and and tracking all the headlines and some of the detail, you feel like we're we're past early. But I was at my sister's yesterday for dinner and my brother in law's uh from a, a web two background, he's a builder, he's an engineer, and more on the data side, and he's like Ray, could you unpack, I know you've got this pod now and I know you're all into Web3, but I kind of don't understand it. We spent last night, I was just walking him through NFTs, just some kind of foundational things which he should just look at and then to activate his learning journey. And and when I was speaking to him, he was like, yep, we're getting it on team calls now, but we kind of don't know what it is. So really this whole paradigm shift on what the primitive of the blockchain will enable, I feel like. We're in 1997 of where the internet was, like, like really. And if I look at NFTs of Chris, Chris Dixon of Az16, I, I love his stuff. He goes, "You have to see NFTs right now, like a web page. Like in Web One, web pages were basically online catalogs. That's kind of where we are with NFTs. So it's it's super early. And, and to your point, I love what you were covering around. I mean, what you're alluding to is the stunning exponential design space for nfts right like right now it just seems like expensive jpegs to be fair to most people but if you really look underneath the hood the lego blocks which can be built on top of nfts the design space i mean we've not even we're not even 0.5 percent of the way in like i think this 2037 will be like oh my god like this is crazy. This is possible from NFTs, right? Because who would have thought in 1996 there'd be Airbnb, Uber, right? No one would imagine that or or enterprise applications uh, like Slack, for example. People probably didn't think that back in 96. So yeah, I share your sentiment. And actually to your point regarding music, it is actually scary, right? I think with Spotify, I think the number's nuts, like where it's a tiny percentage of Spotify artists who actually earn over 50k a year in terms of revenue. That number is supposed to be minuscule compared to the number of artists on Spotify. So I love your background in music because you've had frontline experience of the pain which artists go through. And I think there's organizations like Audius, Royal.io, which are doing some great work in that space as well. So it's fascinating to see you've got this really unique blended background of music already in technology so I, I can actually see why you really leaned in uh, uh, on kind of your, your current organization so w- what is the long goal for third web is it one day to get to that holy grail of where it could be a mom and pop shop person at home who's got no code or very low code knowledge and they can spin up some form of web 3 capability is that the kind of long-term dream north star
2: yeah uh it's a great question i think it's iterative day by day but from a high level we really want to capture the whole space um you know i i think as it relates to nfts gaming and, and marketplaces um you know and in i think back to your point about that conversation you know with your uh your brother-in-law um a lot of that initial uh legwork is going to be education and Mm -hmm. and really doing that in a a digestible and snackable way um similar to to kind of how content preferences have have shifted quite a bit um and finding those bits and pieces that are going to resonate with a general audience um and so to me i i see that a lot of a lot of it in the irl you know, experiences, uh, you know, as we talk about people going to, you know, their local Starbucks or going to a venue that they they happen to frequent a lot or supporting an artist, you know, at a live show, uh, things like that. Um, and I think Third Web, as it relates to that conversation, will continue to empower both on the building and, and kind of, you know, the tooling side um, and, and making sure we're we're keeping an eye on the space and innovating, you know, from our products and feature set. Um, but I also think we're probably going to end up going downstream quite a bit and, and starting to innovate there. Uh, and this is this is where it's probably best to get, you know, our CEO Furkan on the phone or, or our CTO Jake, who are you know incredibly, uh, you know, literate from a te- technological standpoint in um, understanding of, you know, indexing. I think is is one of the things that we talk about quite a bit, right? Because as we talk about indexing, you're indexing the entire blockchain, which is just pause there because that is insane. Um, and so there's a, there's a lot of you know infrastructure considerations um, and going more downstream. But I also think there's there's a ton of opportunity, per your point of of supporting uh, you know small to medium sized businesses in the future um, that will absolutely have you know, value in terms of being on third web, but also in empowering their own business objectives, um, you know, as, as the market continues to innovate, um, as, as the greater, you know, kind of economics start to change and Web3 becomes more mainstream, it's going to be very important for them to one, be able to take that first step and understand this is Web3. And then how can I interface with Web3? Where is, where is my opportunity? Um and then, you know, just to go back again to, to NFTs and and how early it really is in, in that iteration, um, you know, we're gonna start to see NFTs that have that are packaged or wrapped in, in so many different formats. Um, you know, I think one of one of the, the aspects that really interests me is as we talk about education and empowering, you know, builders to take that first step of, you know, building their first app uh and they've achieved, you know, an NFT, but then, you know, five to six tutorials later, they've, you know, built an entire end to end marketplace and they now have an NFT, that NFT has now progressed as they've gone through those levels of learning to now be essentially a badge of, you know, commemoration or a skill level that they can then get hired with, uh, you know, within for lack of a better way to put it, you know, the third web, uh, you know, hiring portal, whatever, whatever we want to call it down the line. Mm. Um, And so I think that's, that's kind of how I see, you know, both initial and and long-term vision um, and making sure that, that we continue to, to develop the product to, to make it as, you know, seamless and easy to use, whether you happen to be technically minded or not.
1: Makes sense. And so looking at phase one of third web, who is your target audience there now, Pat, where are you guys seeing exciting traction?
2: Um, It really is, you know, that core developer audience who primarily have either a curiosity for the space or are already active within the space. And and to your point, you know, there's also, you know, brands and orgs on the the side that are curious and and need to know more. You know, they need to, to be educated to understand how they can integrate it, at least in this initial phase and then keeping it open-ended and composable so that they can continue to build on top of, you know, their initial campaign or initiative, um, moving forward. Uh, but so primarily, you know, we're, we're really speaking to and empowering technical teams within orgs, um, and, you know, individual or, or kind of, you know, decentralized developer teams that need, you know, specific tooling to enable them to, to build quicker and, and iterate, um, I can't tell you how many conversations, Ray, that that we've had. Maybe six months ago, you know, with with a dev team. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna go out and actually just try and develop the contracts on our own. We're gonna, you know, take that foray into Rust or Solidity. And uh, a month later, maybe a couple of weeks later, uh, <laughs> maybe two months later, you know, yeah. you get an email and it'll be like, Hey, uh, yeah, we tried to do this, but it actually is is a heck of a lot more complex than. Than we anticipated, and we really just want to keep pushing this forward. Um, what what can we you know work out, and, and how can your your kind of tooling or you know specific contracts and, and stuff like that you know streamline uh, our our go to market? And I we keep coming back to this this one kind of word, but accelerate is really what we're doing for a lot of our partners, um, and accelerating to again allow them to really focus on the business logic and recommend and kind of provide, you know, expertise on how they can get there. Um, And so sometimes it'll be, you know, situations where they have a very, very specific use case that they want to achieve and we'll end up doing some, some custom development and, you know, working with an external dev shop to to really get them from, you know, start to finish. Um, But then there's, there's tons of, of uh, examples of people coming in and, we, us already having the existing tooling and frameworks for them to essentially plug and play uh, right off the bat, whether it's, you know, Secret Food Society was created by James Brooks, who's, uh, you know, an influencer in the UK, actually, uh, who, who really focuses on, on food. And he was able to do this, you know, I think it was 100, 100 uh, PFP, NFT drop with one line of, of code, which he was able to embed within his website. You know, he's he is technically minded, but he's not a developer very much like myself. Then you'll have someone like uh, Filta, which is a face filter app. And, you know, they're very much like a Web2 consideration and they're utilizing the SDK as a layer underneath programmatically to create, you know, blockchain uh, on chain, you know, face filters. Um, so it's that that's a little bit you know a more complex build where they're gonna be interfacing directly with the s d k but all of that tech was was already in existence, so you know they're not having to go out and develop contracts on their own they they're able to you know see kind of uh, from a business perspective what kind of royalties they're generating you know what their payouts are like um you know the analytics from from a wallet perspective and and stuff like that so uh yeah, that's kind of like the current, you know, third web one point
1: oh. Okay. Um, just pausing Just pausing there. So with the with the working with developers developers directly at the brand level, because I know there's a bunch of these decentralized teams who are generating getting a customer base from all the big brands, right? Because a lot of the big brands have done nothing internally. But are you actually seeing a pickup where you're seeing technical teams directly within brands, be it small, one or two headcount, who are like, I've just joined brand x and i've got to build something and then also some of the large agencies who are now servicing their customers with a web3 capability so when it comes to brands directly and large agencies working with brands what what does that kind of cohort look like for you guys
2: yeah it's a great question um i think oftentimes we'll see dev teams specifically within larger larger orgs or brands um They might have a three or four person headcount, maybe higher, um, who are incredibly bullish on on ThirdWeb's tooling and and SDKs because they know it will make their their go-to-market much, much easier. And also their internal conversations much quicker, much more streamlined. They're thinking through a lot of the questions and considerations that maybe upper management might have around permissioning access and stuff like that. But then you'll also see, you know, smaller brands who may have be working with an external dev, um, you know, who might be a full stack developer. And I think oftentimes that's where we end up having that conversation around, oh, well, maybe we're not ready. We're going to try and, and develop, you know, the contracts on our own. Okay. And there's that time in consideration where they'll come back and realize it's actually not quite as as simplistic or straightforward as, as they'd imagined. Um, and then on the agency side, oftentimes we'll see it's, education to get the agency kind of onboarded and understanding how they can go back to their partners and, and, you know, enable deeper conversations around the space, or it might be like a co-pitching scenario where we'll actually go with them and, you know, work to, to both educate the brands and brainstorm and, and kind of provide them some creative direction around this is, this is the direct, the direction that you can go now. This is how we see it you know, progressing in the next three to six to 12 months. Um, and again, it goes back to that conversation around keeping it open-ended and composable because as, as you and I have kind of gone back, the market is still so early. It's going to change in the next two weeks. It's going to change probably in six months and God forbid two years from now. It's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see where everything lands.
1: Yeah. You know, it'd be great to get a pulse because a lot of our listeners are part of the LinkedIn community. So Spinning into January this year, we've had Nike, I think maybe at Christmas or was it Jan? I can't remember. It's, this pace is moving so fast, but you had Nike acquire artifact, right? And just bake them into the Nike mission. You've had Adidas build on that initial release and do a little bit more tentatively, but they're still kind of moving quick. So I'll look at Nike, Adidas, like they're in and then they're there. I've seen Mercedes come in this morning with some stuff, very light, but interesting, more like a, it's like a competition to win a G wagon. So they're dipping their toe very slowly at a broader level. What's the pulse of the market, Pat? Like, obviously you're on the front line of brands, individual teams, servicing brands, um, like agency side where it's more evangelizing education, maybe generating revenue right now. Like, What's the pulse of the market? Like, where do you think we will be in, say, October of this year and from, from what you're s- smelling just in January of this year?
2: It's a great question. A challenging one, I will say, um, and exciting as well. I think we're going to see a lot of vFriend style access and membership um, functionality towards you know, the middle and later of this year, as brands start to really, I think, upskill their knowledge, uh, and, and start to see the different functionalities and, and kind of use cases in effect, right? So, uh, you know, seeing other contemporaries really, uh, for, you know, making that jump into the market. And I think vFriends is, is such a, a wonderful example because it, it really was a first mover in the space in, in that kind of context of, you know, taking an individual like Gary and focusing on the things that he really loves, um, you know, whether that's FaceTime conversations or gaming, um, you know, dinners and, and kind of the more, more recent mechanics that they just rolled out. Um, and I think it's going to take brands a while I would guess towards the end of this year, some will be earlier um, those that, that kind of push the space forward. Uh, But a lot of it will be, you know, incentivizing, rewarding their fan base's stakeholders um, for the loyalty that, that they've shown Um, and, and probably creating, you know, unique mechanics as it pertains to the brand's voice or brand story um, in, in a, initial metaverse kind of capacity if you will that is that is high level i think where where we'll see and there will be outliers probably like nike probably you know it, it very well could be gucci um just seeing how they're kind of approaching the space and and knowing you know having the inside scoop on on the project that they were working out with super plastic um i think next year we're going to start to see significant innovation um and I think some of it is the UX consideration of like onboarding people to the space uh, in addition to technology catching up. And, you know, you see stuff like Magic Link um, or, you know, Terra having, you know, better onboarding and uh, UX experiences for those crypto curious who had not taken that first step. Um And then we'll probably continue to see DAOs really pushing the space forward in the most part, in my opinion, right? As you look at Constitution DAO, or as you mentioned, Lynx, you know, Constitution DAO is such an interesting, interesting concept. It (laughs) It was wild. And I have a little, I'm a little, uh, you know... A little annoyed at them because they they uh, they won the Golden Kitty Award for Web three on Thursday uh, against us and a couple other contemporaries. But at the same time, you have to you have to give them you know all the kudos because I think of half of the donors that that ended up donating to the project, half of them had not had a crypto wallet before. Um, and I think actually V friends is, wow. is and wow, I didn't
1: download. know that. I didn't know that detail. So with Constitution DAO. Just for the audience, just to remind them, what was Constitution now? again? Was it like owning the, the Constitution in, in the form of an NFT, in essence, or, or, or actually yeah, buying exactly. so buying, like but also, yeah, buying the original as well? You'd own, the, you'd own fractional ownership in the original uh, U.S. Constitution, the documents.
2: Precisely. Yeah. And I, unfortunately, they, they did not end up uh, achieving their goal. But I think from a, a principle and a, and a concept standpoint, it's incredibly powerful. Um, And vFriends is a similar way, right? You look at a lot of the tentpole or hero NFT projects, which, you know, back to our earlier illusion, um, really are, I think, culture manifested in Web3 um, in in the best way possible. Um, But then you look at vFriends, vFriends, a lot of the early adopters and users of vFriends were not, did not hold a club or did not hold another NFT. More than likely, the only NFT they held was that VFriends NFT. Um, And so I think that's super powerful for people to understand that if the concept is strong enough and you make the on-ramp simple and intuitive, then you can bring people who are maybe not endemic to the space currently.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, because I, I, mean, I, I use MetaMask. I was showing MetaMask to my brother-in-law last night and he is technical, but even he was like, oh, Ray, is it safe? Does my NFT sit in the wallet? Does my remaining balance sit in the wallet? I mean, even when you use OpenSea and it's wrapped ETH to put a bid on something, I know that would freak still 99% of people out. Even folks who are developers in Web2 might get a bit cautious. But so, so this is interesting. You're seeing this, obviously, let's look at it. So there's one... End of the trend, which is just the brands and they're building. V, obviously V friends as an example, but then you've got Nike, Adidas, and then all the other ones gently adding some form of NFT drop and then kind of dipping their toe. But then on the other side of the convergence trend, you're talking about UI UX, right? And and it's interesting that's moved quick in the last two months because if you look at Coinbase, that. I was listening to their VP of product who actually was on NFT. Now you, your buddies, uh, oh, I love NFT now. I think they're awesome, but their VP of products, really impressive. Pat, he's X Instagram X Airbnb, and they're launching their NFT marketplace. And on that, you, you, you can just purchase via your card, your debit card or credit card. So it's going to be like super easy. They'll do the custody for you. So that people don't have to worry about that. I think you had moon pay over the weekend launcher capability where you can just whip out your card see my brother-in-law would completely get that and then great he could buy some nfts which he's passionate about so i completely agree it's that on ramp from ui ux standpoint just to make the masses feel comfortable with it and then the brands kind of dipping their toe in a little bit more but interesting you mentioned v friends if i look at what gary did his first drop was pretty meaningful because he actually programmed him i think it's um three years in a row you get to attend his annual event so i think the the average floor price was like two thousand dollars for his first drop and i think they've gone up to 40 now because he's building that community and and that event's gonna have its own kind of cool community to it he's gonna build on top of it and then also you had um i think impact theory i think there's a a, a, uh i got his name i think i think it's tom bellew yeah he's and then you have ownership into the rights and then it could be he's trying to build the next Disney. So if I look at Gary V and Tom, they've kind of taken the big risk because if you look at these drops, a lot of it's reputation risk, right? That's why a lot of the brands are being very gentle because they're worried about over-promising and under-delivering, right? Where Gary just kind of went in hard with his conference, which seems big but i know he he does conferences all the time so it's probably not the biggest deal for him but if i look at tom he's baked in quite quite a bit so is there any brands that you're seeing who off the bat are promising a lot hence they're really leveraged on the nft capability being the business because at the moment all the rest are very delicately they're, they're not baking it's just art and maybe one or two attributes. So they're being very careful. They're taking the right advice and gently going in. Is there any brands which have shocked you where you thought, wow, you guys are taking some risk and you're all in. That shows me you're all in on Web3. Anything which has grabbed your eye on that front?
2: That is a great, a great, great question. Um, you know, I think I think Super Plastic has done a good job of, of making that that kind of nascent introduction, um, but even still, I think they're they're still somewhat endemic to the Web two space. And I think a lot of the you know the brands that we know and love and talk about on a daily basis, uh, you know, Facebook, Nike, uh, Adidas, um, you know, whoever it might be, they're going to have difficulty. Making a very clear foray from Web2 into Web3. Um, it will probably be in bits and pieces, or you know, certain tests, and some of them will get it wrong, and that will kind of delay and and cause them to take a step back. Um, I think the other piece is is knowing the audience consideration, right? Is like as you look at V Friends, and I think Gary V as a whole, he has been, you know, that brand has been building he's been building that community for I don't even know over 10 years um and I would argue that everyone that follows and is passionate about Gary V um probably would buy into almost anything that he does because they believe in his ethos and his his approach to I think life and business um you could say the same thing about Tom I mean Tom has a really, really holistic uh, vision, you know, when it comes to impact theory. And even if you look at, listen to some of his podcasts or like when he, uh, he was on NFT now, you know, it was almost like he had a conversation and two or three days later, he was fully bought into, to Ethereum and Bitcoin and, and, you know, building into that vision almost immediately. And so I think that's, there's, there's a dichotomy there. You have bigger established brands that are going to be slow to move into that space and you will have visionaries that could be, you know, a part of a more agile company or maybe just an entrepreneur or, uh, you know, kind of a founder in and of themselves that have more agility and freedom to, to move into that space. Some of it being how the business is set up and structured, but also, what is their community like? What is their audience and how will they respond? Will they resonate with that initiative? We've had so many conversations and I'm I'm excited to, to launch this project tomorrow because it is going to be really like one of our more exciting forays into the gaming space. But again and again in conversations with gaming brands in and, and gaming, you know, esports orgs, they'll talk about. One, you've seen a lot of players, a lot of esports players, a lot of streamers get involved with NFT projects, or at least even on the the traditional, you know, influencer uh, side. And a lot of rug pulls, a lot of kind of controversy and uh, just just some bad press. Uh, and I think that has given a lot of these brands uh, cause for pause, as I say, um, because they don't want to want to open themselves up to litigation or liability in that regard, but they also yep. don't want to turn off their, you know, their core, uh, their core customers. Um, and so it's, it's going to be a slow, but steady, um, a slow, but steady burn, I think, in terms of figuring out what that, that first kind of, that first initiative in the space is and how they're going to ensure that you know, they're actually doing something that's going to resonate, reward, or empower their community. Um, and I think what we will also probably see, I don't know if you follow Rex Wardberry uh, and, and his uh, newsletter, Digital Natives, which is one of my favorites, but a couple of weeks back, he was talking about Web3 very much as a backend revolution. Um, and I think we'll probably continue to see this You know, iterate this year is that we'll we'll see less people talking about crypto. We'll see less people talking about wallets. Uh, I mean, inevitably we'll have to talk about wallets, but you know, some of the more specific technological aspects will start to go away um, as we talk about abstracting complexity um, and really focusing on the core concepts that an average user can understand and you know take into their, their own kind of principles and understand how this is going to impact them as, you know, a stakeholder, uh, a fan of this brand or a fan of this individual uh, and, and communicating from a brand perspective or, or uh, you know, the creator perspective, communicating that initiative clearly, simply so that the user can understand why and like why they should be involved is going to be super important. And I think that's going to be a major focus for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Pat, and I'm really happy it's going that way because if you look at the first couple of years, <laughs> we've been talking about the protocol layer. And if you look at it from a Web2 standpoint, that's TCIP <laughs> and Linux. or talking about iOS or Android, right? Like, obviously, the, from a from an investment standpoint, spectacular. It's the first time in history where Joe Public can own a network. That's crazy. So the folks who understood that back in 2015 onwards congrats to them fair play they were smart enough to see that but i couldn't agree with you more i like it now moving forward because it's more outcome based it's more value based and it's now tethering in fashion um art music things that ignite our soul right things that we deeply do care about so i think this phase is going to be a lot more fun and a lot more inclusive for people from all backgrounds and also The language will change from L1, L2 to, okay, this NFT drop for this game, and I get what it is because I play it, and I've been a gaming fan my whole life, or I've been a a sneaker fan my whole life. But, you know, one thing which is interesting, a little, little bit of pattern recognition from what you're sharing regarding your journey. If you look at history, it's actually the native players who end up being the next Amazon, right? So an example, so I think there's one brand, you might want to check them out. They're called Cult and Rain. I think they're a a sneaker brand or something like that. But if you look at that brand from ground up, they're Web3 native. That's their core foundation of their business. So they can go all in from day one. Then you've got more skeuomorphic motions, skeuomorphic meaning existing business, been around for a long time. And if I look at those brands like Adidas, Nike, and I've got a lot of respect for Nike actually with that Artifact artifact uh, acquisition, like they seem very innovative for a large company, but all the rest will really gently come in and move a lot slower. Uh, from what I'm seeing, it looks like the native brands, the native projects, like you mentioned, Friends with Benefits and some of the other DAOs moving quick. Those are the ones which are going to end up just being huge right and just build out their own markets that that's what I'm sensing in the market I don't know if, if, if you share that sentiment or do you think it's actually going to be the web 2 brands who will also grab a, a big part of the pie early
2: it's funny that you say that um, and I'll definitely have to check out Colton Rain because I think any any endemic web 3 brand that is not you know either infrastructure related or building up tooling for the space itself is incredibly exciting but I'd have to fully agree with you that anyone that is native to Web 2 and is very, very much established in that space is going to have a hard time, uh, you know, really making an initial leap into Web 3 fully, um, you know, fully adopted. And I think we'll probably see a lot of, as you said, skeuomorphic use cases, you um, around you know having web three initiatives or web three elements to their business but i don't think it will ultimately become the overarching uh principle for their their uh you know business use case if you will um i think we'll we'll absolutely see that next wave of major players coming out of the endemic web three brands that are being built today or over the next you know four to six months who knows um and I think that's what's most exciting about the space.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that that's going to move really quick. And so looking at more at the blue sky, exciting stuff, obviously you're now knee deep, knee deep and all into this. What really excites you about the ecosystem during the next 12 to 18 months? What's, what's really blown your mind? Something our audience can look up on Google and just research in terms of be it NFT capability, smart contract capability. What 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 should we keep a close eye on?
2: Um... I do have a feeling that Open Zeppelin is going to continue to create some interesting technology in the space um, as we talk about underlying infrastructure. Um, I would absolutely keep an eye on ThirdWeb, just, you know, shameless plug. But I do know in the next two weeks, we've got some really, really incredible product innovation coming out. Um, and just knowing who we have on the team, you know, we just added another senior dev who is incredibly talented. And so I can only imagine that, you know, we'll continue to, to innovate on our product set and pushing that space forward. Um, let's see, beyond that, I would just, I, I really think keeping an eye on music, I think that's going to be the first uh, market that really has, uh, you know, the web two space disrupted for, you know, web three, web three version, if you will. Um, I think so many artists are frustrated with, with, you know, the current state of the world, right? we talk about Spotify. It was supposed to be the change, you know, it was supposed to be better for artists. uh, And it wasn't, it just simply was not. Uh, And I'm sure at this point, they're frustrated. Like you put so much time and effort uh, into producing, you know, this art only to have it, you know, garner X, Y, and Z uh, kind of royalties over time. Um, And then I think that the final piece that is really exciting to me there's a project by the name of Lost Worlds um, that I'm really close with, a couple of the guys that founded it. There, um, they essentially it's proof of location, um, and so you know you have to be within a certain radius of uh, GPS location in order to be able to mint. Uh, and they're building out a ton of functionality on top of that. That is very very exciting. But given you know my my passions around DJing and, and just IRL events that is something that, that really gets me jazzed about the space and, and being able to go somewhere like the concept of being able to, to go on a hike. And, you know, once you get to, uh, you know, the overlook or, or the, you know, the final, uh, you know, trailhead of that hike, you're able to earn an NFT for out, outdoor activity or like cardio or whatever it might be. Um, and, let's say that NFT suddenly like you're in a national park and within the smart contract, there's also, you know, a split that goes back to uh, the national park service to uh, promote, you know, wildlife conservation or something along those lines. I think those are, and you know, we talk about impact again and social good. That's what really gets me excited uh, is we're in a space now, you know, coming out of still being in a pandemic, but there's also, you know, such political polarization um to to have something to create something that regardless of where you stand on those issues you're able to resonate with because it's pushing us as humans forward that is is really what what gets me incredibly excited about web3 uh and and all that there is to come
1: well awesome i mean we could probably go on for hours but this has been amazing learning about your journey congratulations it looks like you guys are are building something very special there at Third Web. So hopefully let's catch up for maybe part two in Q4 of this year and see how far we've come, right? God knows where we'll be by then, but uh, it's definitely going to be a, a super exciting next eight or nine months.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate you having me on, Ray, and, and I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, would love an opportunity to, to obviously come back, but uh, who knows where we'll be at that point.
1: Awesome. Nice one, Pat. Have a great start to the year and look forward to seeing you again soon, my friend. You too, right?
0: Take care. And that is it, everyone, for today's episode with Pat Kearney. If you enjoyed today's episode, then be sure you're subscribed to the podcast. If you love today's episode, then share this podcast out with a friend or colleague who you feel like would be truly impacted by today's podcast. Again, for being a listener here at Frontier 3 presented by PatSnap. PatSnap is giving away their number one Amazon best-selling ebook, The Definitive Guide to Connected Innovation Intelligence. We're in this white paper. We explore what CII is, who it's for, and how the world's disruptors are using it to win in hyper-competitive markets. And to download your free copy of The Definitive Guide to Connected Innovation Intelligence, head over to PatSnap.com or go to the description of this podcast download your free copy today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We'll be back next week with another one. Continue to embrace your childlike wonder and stay curious.